Hello and welcome to Unbreak Your Health, the podcast program about the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'm Alan Smith in Plano, Texas, author of Unbreak Your Health, the complete guide to complementary and alternative therapies. And today our topic is Scanar technology and the biomodulator. And our guest is Dr. Jerry Tennant. He's one of the founders of the Outpatient Ophthalmic Surgery Society and has taught surgeons around the world to do outpatient eye surgery. He holds patents on surgical instruments, intraocular lenses, and other devices, and has written books on cataract surgery, lifestyle management, and integrative medicine. Dr. Tennant is one of the few surgeons to be awarded the Corboy Award for Contributions to Ophthalmology and the Recognition Award from the yes, uh, that's correct. American Academy of Ophthalmology. Dr. Tennant, with all of your success in ophthalmology, you were actually forced to retire from the field in 1995 due to health reasons, weren't you? Yes, uh, that's correct. Who was Dr. Bjorn Nordenstrom, and why did he appear on the ABC News program 2020 in 1983? Well, Dr. Nordenstrom was a radiologist who was the director of radiology at the Karolinska Hospital in Sweden. And he was well-known for a variety of reasons. He, for example, invented those uh, small biopsy needles that are used now worldwide to biopsy lung tumors and similar things. But he became interested in the electronics of the body. And so when he would go in to biopsy a tumor before he did anything, he measured the voltages of the normal lung and then around the tumor and in the tumor and was able to identify that there were electronic differences in normal tissue and tumors. He eventually wrote a uh, landmark book called Biologically Closed Electric Circuits, and he went on to develop a technique of treating malignancies by simply inserting an electrode into the tumor and into the tissue around it and allowing a current to flow between the two, and he was successful in around, I've forgotten the exact numbers, maybe 70 to 80% cure rate in malignancies that were considered terminal by their oncologists. You were among the first American doctors to be trained on the Russian Skinar device, weren't you? That's correct. Actually, I took my initial training in San Francisco from a British, well, a Russian immigrant to Britain, Dr. Zulia Velieva Frost. The history of the Skanar was that there was a Russian engineer in whose uh, family got ill from food poisonings, and he lost his sister in that event, and his knowledge of acupuncture and herbal medicine and things did not save her, and so he began working on a theory of how to deal with the electronics of the body. And he developed a particular waveform that seemed to allow energy to be transferred to the tissue. And so it's my understanding that the university where he worked was also involved in doing things for the Russian military and space program, and they became aware of his work and funded it. There is a misconception that it was used by the Russian space program. It was perhaps their intent to do so, but apparently it was never utilized by them. But the program was involved with funding of his work, and that was the beginning of the Russian scanner technology. The device that he originally developed and the ones that have followed it used a specific type of electronics that allowed there to be sort of a ping-pong effect between the device and the body and allowed it to modulate what the body was doing. There's a misconception about how the device works. It was 
and still is assumed by many people that the device is actually measuring what the body's doing and then using software to make a decision. It would send in different signals to correct the body. That's incorrect. That's not the way that it works. But nevertheless, the device is able to make significant changes in the electronics of the body and do some uh, pretty amazing things. And that was the device that he was involved with developing was instrumental in getting me well and getting me back going again. What is the Biomodulator Plus device, and how is it different from the traditional Skinar device? Well, when Dr. Frost and some of her colleagues made arrangements to bring the Skinar device to the United States, I was asked to be responsible for all of the Skinar training in the U.S., and so I did that for a number of years. And there were many good things about the scanner, but also some bad things. One of them was that it was very difficult to teach. So I wanted to make that better and easier. But then as time went on, I thought that I had figured out some frequency sets that would work better than the Russian frequency sets. And so I basically had the goals of making it easier to use, making it less expensive, and then using what I thought would be better frequency sets. And so I developed the biomodulator in cooperation with the engineer that was actually making the U.S. version of the scanner device. And indeed, we were able to accomplish all those goals. And so now we have a device that is indeed much more automated, that is less expensive, and that people who have both devices uh, tell me that my experience is not unique when I find that the biomodulator frequency sets will accomplish things that can't be done with the scanner. And indeed, the scanners that are available around the world are incapable, their electronics are incapable of putting out the frequency sets that are found in the biomodulator. Why do the cells in our bodies need sufficient voltage to work? Well, I think that one of the critical things is to understand the word pH. And let me explain how I evolved into this understanding. When I did the research for the laser used in LASIK surgery, I inhaled viruses and ended up with encephalitis and a bleeding disorder. And so I ended up spending about seven years in bed. I'd have two or three hours a day in which I could think clearly enough to understand a newspaper, and then like a light switch, it would go off, and all the best docs I could find in the world that would just say, well, you've got viruses in your brain. We don't know how to fix them. Go home. So during those two or three hours a day in which I could think clearly, I developed the concept that if I could figure out how to make one cell work, I could make them all work. And so I began to read cellular biology. In the various books that I read, there would be anywhere from a paragraph to a page or so that said that cells were designed to run in a very narrow range of pH, and then they would move on from that. Well, for some reason that resonated with me, and so I wanted to go back and understand more about pH. So as I began to read about pH, I discovered that pH is measured with a sophisticated voltmeter, and that whereas wires that carry electrons into our homes and offices are always electron donors, when you have a liquid or a solution, you have the opportunity to either have an electron donor or electron stealer situation. The way pH is set up is that if you measure the voltage of a solution and it's an electron stealer, you put a plus sign in front of the voltage. And if it's an electron donor, you put a minus sign in front of the voltage. So pH is measured from a plus 400 millivolts to a minus 400 millivolts. 
So when you measure the voltage of the solution, then you simply convert it to a logarithmic scale from 0 to 14 and call that pH. So plus 400 millivolts is 0, a pH of 0. Minus 400 millivolts is a pH of 14. And cells are designed to run at a pH of 7.35, which is the same as minus 20 millivolts. So when I was able to figure all that out and said, wow, cells are designed to run at 20 to 25 millivolts of electron donor status, suddenly that made a lot of sense to me because it means that cells need energy or voltage to work. And for me, that was a, a critical understanding. And then the next thing, of course, was, okay, how do I measure it? And I discovered that Dr. Nakatani in Japan had published how to do that in 1951. And so I got his equipment and was able to measure and found that my brain was running at 2 millivolts instead of 20 to 25. So now I knew why my brain didn't work. And then it was just a matter of figuring out how to get the voltage back in, and that's what I was able to accomplish with the uh, scanner device and then eventually, of course, the biomodulator. And so this critical understanding that cells function at 20 to 25 millivolts, it takes minus 50 millivolts to make a new cell, and you get into trouble when voltage starts dropping below the normal 20 to 25, and that became sort of the groundwork for my understanding of how the body works, how it gets sick, and how to get it well. How does this technology of yours actually work? Well, let me answer that by answering you in some generalities, and then we'll get to more specifics. Think of your home. You have a home that has various compartments in it, sort of like we have various organs in our bodies. So you have a kitchen and a living room and a bedroom, etc. And in each of those, you have specific functions, refrigerator, television, etc., that need energy to work. So to provide that energy, you have a delivery system, which is generally a wire that runs from a telephone pole down to your garage to a circuit breaker system. And then you have other wires that carry voltage throughout the house to the various wall outlets, etc. And we have exactly that same thing going on in our body. We have actually three trucking systems that move electrons around from place to place in our body. The basic understanding that you need is that two of those are wiring systems and the other is a chemical system. And here's the way that works. In the body, fibrous tissue has the least resistance to the flow of electrons, and thus any electrons in the body will want to move through those fibrous wiring systems. Now, Dr. Langland up at University in Vermont has shown that the acupuncture system is simply the fascia planes in the body. And so one of the wiring systems is the acupuncture meridian system. Dr. Robert Becker showed that there's a fiber sheath surrounding all of our nerves, and he named that the analog perineural nervous system, and that's the second wiring system. So wherever you have nerves going, in addition to the energy that's flowing through the nerves, we have this second nervous system, which is a fiber sheath around there. So we have two fibrous wiring systems, the analog perineural nervous system and the acupuncture system, moving electrons from place to place, just as we have wires in our homes. In addition, Dr. Nordenstrom showed that we move electrons from place to place through the ions in our blood. So that's the third trucking system. So cells have three sources of getting their, the voltage they need to function, one through the acupuncture system, one through the nerves coming to them, and the third through the plasma that carries uh, electrons to them. And so when you have electrons coming to the cell, to the cell membrane, whether or not that energy can be transferred to the cell membrane and then into the cell 
is basically dictated by a couple of things. One is voltage and the other is frequency. So if you think about the usual sine wave that we all see pictures of where it is intended to represent an electric current, you have a, a wave that goes up and down. And the number of times per second it goes up and down across the midline is called frequency. And how high it goes above and below the midline it can be considered voltage. And so we have the two things to consider, and that is that voltage or the energy can only be transferred from one thing to another if it's the same frequency and resonates. So every organ in the body, and thus the cells of those different organs, functions at a different frequency. So, for example, as I sit here in my chair, there are all of these radio and TV stations uh, putting out various signals. And whether or not my liver or my brain or my stomach is going to be involved with the energy of those radio frequencies going through me, it is determined by whether or not they're the same frequency. And so it is with therapeutic devices. When we put therapeutic devices on our body and we want to try to transfer the energy to ourselves, it will happen or it will not happen depending on whether or not it's the same frequency of the or the innate frequency of that cell or that organ. And so if it is the same frequency, then the energy is transferred to the cell, and thus we increase the voltage of that cell. If it's not the same frequency, it simply goes away. Now, if I've explained that well enough and you understood that each different type of cell needs a different frequency in order to gain more voltage, then you began to understand how most of the things that we use in medicine work. For example, whether you're talking about a low-level laser, that puts out a single frequency, which means that only some cells are going to resonate with that. Essential oils, of course, have many frequencies, which is why they work so much better than most lasers, and that is that in a plant, just like in a human, you're going to have all these different frequencies, and so if you happen to use an oil from a plant that is the appropriate frequencies for whatever organ you're trying to make better, when you apply that essential oil, that frequency will be absorbed and, and thus transfer the voltage. And that's the way homeopathy works. It also contains specific frequencies. That's the way standing out in the sunshine works. That's the way swimming in the ocean works. That's the way walking on the beach works. It's all about whether or not the item that is resonating has the frequencies that you need for whatever organ needs to have better voltage. So when I designed the biomodulator, my effort was to create a frequency set that had a much wider range of frequencies that would correspond with the frequencies in the various organs in the body and thus provide the frequencies necessary to improve the voltage in the body. Listeners, if you're enjoying this podcast, then you'll love my new book. The second edition of How to Unbreak Your Health is your map to the world of complementary and alternative therapies. It features a new user-friendly format and 339 new and updated listings in 150 different categories. And you can get it on Amazon.com or at your local bookstore. What types of health problems does the biomodulator work especially well for? Well, it's simply a matter of not focusing so much on the labels we put on things, but uh, rather on what's going on with the voltages. You see, the wires that run through the body are like a string of Christmas lights. You have a 
wire, then it has several different bulbs on it, all of which getting energy from that. For example, on the wire that takes voltage to the stomach, and we call it the stomach acupuncture meridian, you also have other organs in addition on that same wire is uh, the breast, the nose, the skin, the upper eyelid, etc. And so if you have low voltage in that circuit, you're going to have symptoms in each one of those things because each one of those things it carries voltage to is going to have low voltage and thus malfunction. And so once you understand which organs are on which different circuits, you will see patterns of illnesses that make absolutely no sense in Western medicine but make perfect sense once you understand that you've got a wire with multiple organs served by that wire. And when the voltage in that wire is low, then all of those organs are going to malfunction. And that doesn't fit nicely into an American idea of diagnosis of a disease. And when you explain it like that, it makes perfect sense. There you go, and it works. Are chronic diseases associated with a loss of voltage? Yeah, by definition, if you have a chronic disease, then you're going to find low voltage in the circuits that are intended to carry voltage to the whatever organs malfunctioning. So chronic disease is defined by low voltage, as is chronic pain, by the way. Pain is simply a symptom of low voltage, or you can have a different type of pain, a pulsing type of pain, when you have high voltage. Let's take my thumb, for example. My thumb is sitting here running at 20 to 25 millivolts, and it's a perfectly happy thumb. Then I hit it with a hammer, and now the voltage in my thumb immediately goes up to minus 50 millivolts because I have to replace all of the cells that I smashed with a hammer, and it requires 50 millivolts to do that. Then my thumb jumps up to 50 millivolts, and course, it has several things going on. In order to make new cells, I need new raw materials, don't I? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So the blood vessels are going to dilate in order to supply those materials. So when the blood vessels dilate, I'm going to have heat. I'm going to have redness. I'm going to have swelling. And I'm going to have a pulsing type of pain because minus 50 millivolts is always associated with a pulsing kind of pain that we all have experienced. Now, If I can keep the thumb at minus 50 millivolts until I can make all the new cells I need to replace the ones I smashed with a hammer, then my thumb will go back to 25 millivolts or 20 to 25 millivolts, and now I've got a nice pink thumb that works again, and I'm perfectly happy. However, the other possibility is while I was up at minus 50 millivolts, I ran out of voltage, and the voltage in my thumb dropped down to, say, 10 millivolts. Well, now I've got a big problem. First of all, at 10 millivolts, I don't have enough power to make new cells, so I can't replace those I smashed with a hammer. And so now I've got a thumb that's white, hurts all the time, and can't get well. So I'm stuck there. So now we have what we consider chronic or degenerative disease, and that is a cell with inadequate voltage to make new cells. And so the only way I can get that, get rid of that chronically painful thumb is to put enough electrons in it to get it back to 50 millivolts. So I can take all the pills I want, I can do all the surgery I want, but it's just not going to happen until I can get the voltage there. So whatever system I use to increase the voltage, if I can get it back to 50 millivolts, it will immediately start making new cells. And, of course, when it does, it's going to have all the symptoms associated with 50 millivolts, which is this pain, this well, the throbbing pain. So it will go from a just an ache-all-the-time pain to a throbbing pain as it heals. It will swell, it will get red, it will get warm, etc. And then when it finishes making new cells, it will go back to being a pink normal thumb with normal voltage. 
Dr. Tennant, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to talk with me about the biomodulator today. Anyone wanting to learn more about the biomodulator should check out the website at www.tenantinstitute.com. You've been listening to the podcast edition of Unbreak Your Health, discovering the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'll be back again next week with another edition, but to learn more about our guest today, please visit the podcast page at www.unbreakyourhealth.com. We'd love to hear from you about this program. Please send your questions and comments to info at unbreakyourhealth.com. This program is a joint production of Unbreak Your Health and Loving Healing Press. Thank you for listening. I'm Alan Smith, and I look forward to being with you again soon.